like maybe scriptures get too familiar to us, especially the suffering of Jesus, some of the sadistic things that he underwent on our behalf. But nevertheless, let's read them just the same, counted in the 19th verse, first, or 19th chapter, first verse. said, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again, saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out and saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law. By our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard the saying, he was more afraid. Went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he hath delivered me unto thee. He that hath delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Heavenly Fathers, we stand in your presence again one more time, certainly aware of the great and grave responsibility that thou hast put upon us tonight to rightly divide the word of truth. To extract from this written word, Father, under the influence and inspiration of the Holy Ghost, those good and precious things that thou hast written there, had written, it is for our life and for our strength and for our continuance. We pray, Father, tonight that we would not handle thy word deceitfully, that we would handle it honestly, Father, under the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit, that man might know that it is you, Almighty God, that speaks and that encourages and that uplifts. Thank you, Jesus. We'll honor you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We appreciate you standing. There's so many wonderful things in that scripture, in those uh, passages that I have just read in your hearing, that it's hard sometimes when you read it just to extract from there what God wants us to talk about. But I thought, that's not what we're going to speak about, but I thought as Pilate was turning Jesus over to the Jews and to the crowd, when he said, we have a law, that by that law he ought to die because he's made himself the Son of God. I just thought there it was tradition that crucified Jesus. It was their own traditions, their own ideas, and their own opinions that crucified Jesus. But I want to call your attention tonight to the fifth verse. But then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. 
I'd like for us to remember those words tonight, just simply, Behold the man. In the Latin, he was supposed to have said, Eki homo, Behold the man. I just thought as I read that, something captivated my attention of all the great things that's written in there, is what kind of an individual did Pilate set forth before the Jews to survey and behold? A man perhaps they saw, but down through the years and centuries that have passed, perhaps a man that we fail to see in the way that we need to see him. Setting before the crowd, Pilate had had him whipped. As we've said before, it was a Roman whipping and scourging, and they didn't stop at 39 stripes. In fact, it was up to them to whip a man until just a little bit of his life. And so Jesus was whipped and scourged and stripes on his back until there was not one solid piece of flesh left there. And then they planted a crown of thorns in mockery and pushed it down upon that precious head of our Savior. And then in more mockery, insult to injury, they put on a purple regal robe of kingly, of kingship and put it on him. And as they said, hey, O king of the Jews, they smote him. Hands of sadistic men smote him. And then Pilate brings him forth and sets him before his uh, victims, or before his victors, and causes him to stand there and simply says, Now look at the man. Behold the man. Now I'm not so sure what Pilate had in his mind. A lot of individuals claim that he thought if he just scorched Jesus, they would forget about crucifying him. Others say he was such a sadistic man that he enjoyed seeing any individual whipped with enemy injuries, life, or brought down. Whatever the case might be, we have the man, Jesus Christ, who simply came to do good to the whole world. We have him standing before the eyes of multitudes as they behold him, and looking at him in his weakness, in his humility, having given himself over to those hands, submitted to the whippings, submitted to the scourgings, submitted to the crown of thorns. I'm wondering about that awful sight that stood and saw with their own eyes this type of a man, and yet no pity whatsoever in their life. They saw Jesus in his suffering. I looked at that and God just simply pulled on my coattail and said it would be good if God's people today could see him right like the Jews and Pilate saw him. If they could imagine some way, if we some way could imagine what he went through and what he endured just to purchase our soul's salvation, perhaps tonight we wouldn't walk as carelessly as we do. We would creep for probably more increasingly than we've ever prayed before, and we would get a hold of something that God has done something for us that should never be forgotten. If some way that voice could sound out over the airwaves and light upon your heart and mind today, behold the man, the sacrificed Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. I was intrigued. What did Pilate see? And what did the Jews see when that man stood before them? Pilate saw one that was innocent of all charges. 
Not one charge leveled against him would have stood up in a court of law, lawfully, the way it was supposed to. And Pilate saw that man and had pity on him. And then Pilate again saw one in spite of all the wrongdoing, all the claims, saw him as he was patient in all of these things, and Pilate marveled at this man, marveled at his ability to endure. And then Pilate saw a fanatic who deemed himself king and possessor of all truth, and yet he was a prisoner, and he had contempt for him. A man that would claim to be king, a man that exerted his authority, and said who he was, claimed to be king, and yet he was a prisoner, and he made no attempt to loose himself for that. And there was a sort of contempt that rose up within Pilate that day. And then he saw a mysterious, individual, somebody he had never dealt with before. He had had a lot of men come before him, condemned some, convicted some, turned some loose. But never did Pilate have a man like this man stand in his presence. There was an air of mystery about this one called Jesus. A supernatural air at his presence surrounded him, and Pilate stood there perplexed. He didn't want to be responsible for releasing this man Jesus, and yet he did not want to be responsible to God for having him crucified. And so he stood there perplexed as he beheld the Son of God. Somewhere, somehow, as we look at him, there's all those same feelings aroused within me. As I behold him as a man, I see him enduring the shame of doing all of the mockery that's going on there, and there's something cries within me. He should never have to do that. He did nothing to deserve those things. He should never have to stand there and undergo that treatment heaped upon him by the sadistic hands of man. He should never have to undergo that type of a thing. And there's a pity reaches out. And then I watch him in all his calmness. And I watch him in all his patience. And I realize right there, saints, he's trying to teach us a lesson. Impatience sometimes causes a lot of sin and heartbreak in our life. And Jesus has let us know that we can be patient in wrongdoing. Things heaped upon us with patience. The Bible tells us we possess our soul. And in saw him there. I watched and stood there with Pilate and the Jews as they observed him. And I watched this individual as he was calm and patient in the face of his adversary and never seemed to get angry whatsoever. In other words, what pity Pilate had for him, Jesus looked out upon these condemners of his and had eyes of pity and compassion upon them because they didn't know who he was. He came some way to introduce himself to them and some reason they did not realize who he was. And as I stood there and behold that Savior, I marvel at his ability to keep quiet in the midst of adversity. I realize, and you do too, as the Bible says, he could have called 10,000 angels even then to deliver him. But in his patience, he stood there. Of course, friend, he was working out your salvation and mine. In some way, he was determined to rescue man from the wreckage of humanity and set him someplace at liberty with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I stood there. You know, I can't preach and I can't read unless I get there with that Bible. A lot of times to us it's a fairy tale, but when we someway transport ourselves and stand up with those individuals and watch the confusion of Pilate and realize this was a natural carnal man that didn't understand Jesus Christ. And he had all these feelings inside of him, and I stand and I see where he could have them. Pity for this man, if there was some way I could rescue him. I thought as I beheld him there myself, I thought, Jesus, if there would have been another way, I would like some way to rescue you from what you're going to have to undergo. And yet my salvation to him, saints of God tonight, was far more important than his own pain or his own life or the cruelty of individuals that was heaped upon him. He was for my purpose, and all of this while he was working out my salvation and giving me the opportunity to present myself unto God Almighty. Hallelujah. And Pilate marveled at him. How? Could this man, who was innocent of all wrong, stand in the midst of all of this in his patience and in his calmness and knew there was no wrongdoing in him and open not his mouth? And then you see this man who claimed himself to be king, the possessor of all truth, and yet give himself over to be a prisoner of all of those whom he could have snapped his finger and destroyed in a moment. But he wasn't there for himself. And then Pilate was so perplexed. He was so embarrassed. What to do next? What am I supposed to do with this man? There's an air of mystery about him. There's something about him I can't understand. And then that's been the hue and cry of humanity ever since there has been Jesus and God bailed in the flesh. Have something about him tonight that we cannot understand. I don't understand why it had to take the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Except the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And there is none. That's a divine decree of God Almighty himself. And then came the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his voice as it sounds down through the halls of eternity to your day and mine and says, this is my blood which was shed for the redemption of all mankind. And it embraces us tonight. And I stand there in awe and amazement that he himself, King of kings and Lord of lords, God born in the flesh, would stand there and be ridiculed just for me and just for you. Two thousand years since, and he had us in mind. However obscure we might be, however small we might seem, God saw us and he saw our need. He saw Brother David, Brother Pharaoh. He, he saw those individuals on the back. He saw us row by row. And he watched them saw us up front here. And watched every individual under the sound of my voice. And knew we was going to be born into a world that furnished us holy death. And knew there was no chance whatsoever of redemption and salvation. And hell was a doom. And he stood there and let human eyes feast upon him as they said, Behold the man. 
Take a little time right now. I realize this is a simple message, and it's too simple sometimes. We ought to take a little time right now to see him as he stood there, ridiculed, bleeding, straps on his back, cold of thorns pressing through the vascular area of his scalp, and he's bleeding freely, and blood running down his face and in his eyes, and a robe upon him as they mock him, and human hands smiting him, and this was the king of glory. This was the God of all gods. Never did a thing to merit all of this. When he stands, Pilate says, look at him. We ought to look at him tonight and ask ourselves, who do we see? Who do we see when we see him there? We see a man like Pilate saw. We see an individual that's claimed to be king and yet wasn't a king. Who do we see tonight? We ought to ask ourselves the question. Well, I don't know about you, but I see a man that was sent into this world. God Almighty that saw and searched the heavens and could find nothing. Not an angel could redeem humanity. Search all over the world to find a man that was able to redeem humanity, and he could not. The Bible says, therefore, his own arm brought him salvation. No other chance in the world, God says, I have to veil myself in human flesh, and I've got to walk and talk and feel like these individuals. I've got to live above sin. And I don't know about you, but I see him as the sinless Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. I see him as my Savior. I see him as the one that was ransomed, ransomed me from the powers of death, hell, and the grave. I see him as the individual that took my sin and my shame and underwent the mockery of myself, and it should have been me. I should have been there, and something wants to cry out, Jesus, you don't deserve a death like this. You don't deserve to be treated like this. And yet all the time while I'm saying that, I knew I was deserving of all of that. I deserved stripes on my back. I deserved crowned. I deserved beaten. I deserved even to die. But Jesus was simply saying, I'm taking your place. I'm working out your salvation. And this man was one that the Jews hated, and one was sent into the world, and yet rejected in their hatred so much that they rejected him. The Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not. And this is a man who his own disciples, that was close to him, refused to walk the last mile with him. This is the one I see. This is the one I see as he stands there for all eyes to behold. I somewhere believe that when this was written and Pilate cried that out, he cried that out under divine inspiration. And it was written that way that you and I might capture those words and lift them out and let that same question and answer be given to us. As we stand here tonight, behold the man. Look at him. And what do you see? Do you see a useless life lived? Do you see somebody that just underwent all this mockery and he'd never put his life to use for you? Do you see somebody that has moved in our place and sacrificed his life and given as a ransom 
Do you watch somebody as his very closest friend deserted him? And then old flesh cried on the cross, the last straw that broke the back. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Sin hang there. Yours and mine was there. And God turned his back. Upon that, and so awful was that that darkness filled the earth for three hours. So the eyes of men could not see the awfulness and the sin of generations heaped upon the full shoulders of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's behold him tonight and see him and watch him. I don't think I can walk as careless as I walked in the past when I see him in that ear. I don't think I can walk as carelessly. I don't think I can refute what he has to say in my life. I don't think I can refuse his calling in my life. I don't think I can tread so carelessly upon this precious word and upon the calling that he's placed in my life. And I don't know about you, but how do you behold him? How do you see this man? What kind of an impact did it have on you tonight? 2,000 years later, he's standing there for all eyes to behold. He doesn't have to be there. But by his own choosing, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Arms outstretched. 2,000 years he reached to your day and to mine. And his arms embraced and pressed humanity close to his bosom. And this enabled him to undergo the torment and the misery and the pain that was there. And finally the ridicule and finally the cross. The most awful death a person could die. And they hang there until finally he dismissed his spirit. And the Bible says, he cried, it is. I was free then. I said, I was free then. He paid the price. He purchased me. He bought me. And he gave me life. 